Please stand as you are able for today's New Testament lesson from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows what you need. And you need that all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Jonathan Anderson, and I'm the new director of adult discipleship here at Brentwood United Methodist Church. And it's my honor and privilege to be with you today and to be able to open up God's Word with you. And if you didn't know, this is my very first sermon here at Brentwood. And one of the things I've learned about first sermons over the years is that first sermons are often accompanied by a little bit of worry. Some of you when you saw that I was preaching today and it wasn't Davis, you were a little worried. You thought it might be a little boring. Maybe he's gonna go long and ruin my lunch plans or maybe you just thought, you know, maybe it might not be any good. And as you've been worried, I've been a little worried myself, but I've been worried about tripping up all these steps to get up to this pulpit. I've been worried about preparing and whether you will like me and my ministry here as I'm starting a new journey with y'all. And I've been a little worried as well. You know, will I be able to open up the scriptures clearly for people or will they walk away a little confused? There's often a little worry because first things are important. First things are important and first things are also oftentimes unforgettable. I still remember the first sermon I ever preached in a church. It was over a decade ago now. I was an intern at a church during seminary, and we got word that a little country church outside Atlanta needed a guest preacher one day. I'd never been to the church, never seen the church, never met any of the people, but I wrote my very first sermon, and I stayed up all night Saturday night, and then in the car on the way to the church on Sunday, I was going over my notes again and again, trying to prepare, trying to remember everything. It was a sermon on Jesus raising a woman's son from the dead. And as I got to the church, right before the church at the intersection, things slowed down. 
Things slowed down and traffic began to crawl. And then I saw why traffic had stalled. And it was because there were about six overturned vehicles at the intersection that had recently been extinguished by flames. There were police directing traffic and it looked like a terrible, tragic scene. And so, of course, my first thought was I'm going to be late. But then my second thought, my more important thought was this is a terrible tragedy. And I began praying because I didn't know what to do. This is my first sermon. I didn't have a lot of training for this kind of stuff. And I said, Jesus... The message I have this morning is not going to fit well with this scene. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to care for these people. Like, you need someone else. It's, it's not me. Holy Spirit, help me in this moment. And I kept on praying as we crawled through the intersection. Then I got to the church. And I met the lay leader outside. And as I shook his hand, I said, sir, this is, this is so terrible. I said, what a terrible tragedy. Was anyone in the church injured or is anyone suffering? And he looked at the scene behind me. This is a picture I took that day. He looked at the scene and he began to laugh. He began to laugh and I was confused, but in the midst of his laughter, he said, all that? Oh, that's just a movie set from The Walking Dead, a new zombie TV show that they're filming here in town. And I I, I laughed a little bit as well. It was an unforgettable sermon for me. It was probably forgettable for the 15 people there that day, but it was unforgettable for me because it was my first. First things are important. Perhaps you remember the first date you ever went on with your spouse. Or maybe you you moved jobs and you remember that first day of work in a new role and the stress and the worry that accompanied it. Or students, maybe you've moved schools, going to a new elementary school or a new middle school, a new high school. There's a lot of emotions, a lot of stress, a lot of feelings. When it comes to first, my wife reminded me this week that the first time she professed faith in Jesus Christ, she said, I remember it was here at Brentwood United Methodist Church during her sixth grade confirmation year. It was an important day for her. First things are important, and I think Jesus knew this, which is why in the section on the Sermon on the Mount we just heard read, Jesus addresses something that is, that's first, it's at the forefront of his disciples' minds. Because if you know a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount takes place just after Jesus calls disciples to follow him, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He says, come and follow me. Leave your nets behind. Don't fish for fish anymore. Instead, come and fish for people. And they set out on an unforgettable journey with Jesus. It was an unforgettable journey with Jesus following wherever he went, but it was also a journey that was full of uncertainty because if you think about it, the disciples left behind their vocations. They left behind their main source of income. Can you imagine doing that? They left behind their friends, their family members. Everything they knew in life, they left it behind in order to follow Jesus. And so naturally, they had questions, questions like we saw in the scripture passage. What will we eat? What will we drink? Where are we going? Where are we going to stay tonight? Who is going to provide for us? And I can imagine that the first emotions they felt in the morning were a little bit of worry as they thought about the uncertainty ahead. 
And in the midst of their uncertainty, in the midst of their worry, Jesus calls them together and he begins teaching them on a mountainside. And as he begins teaching them, crowds are pressing in. They're listening in as well because Jesus has been performing miracles. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing the sick. And so people are very interested in what this man has to say. And Jesus begins teaching his disciples and he teaches them about the nature of the kingdom of God and how it's different than the kingdoms of this world. He reveals to them that to be his follower means to live in a countercultural manner. And then at the beginning of the sermon, he even says this. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. And so you can imagine at this point, the disciples might have been thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into? What have we signed up for? And it's at that moment, Jesus says to them three words three times. He says to his disciples and to those listening in, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Which I don't know about you, but when I'm worried and someone just comes up to me and says, don't worry, it often doesn't really help me very much. If you've been on an airplane, there's turbulence and the pilot comes on and says the masks might fall, but do not worry. It doesn't really help relax you, does it? Thankfully, Jesus doesn't just leave him with those words. In addition to those three words, he also paints two pictures for them. He, he says, look, he says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They don't they don't sow seeds. They don't go and reap crops. They don't store stuff in barns for a rainy day. And yet, your heavenly Father takes care of them. And then he says, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers in the fields. They don't work hard. They don't spend clothing for themselves. And look how beautiful they are. And they're here today and gone tomorrow. And then he pushes them to see a profound theological truth. And that truth is this, that God created the birds. God created the flowers. God values his creation, but he pushes them to see that God values those who are created in his image even more. He helps them begin to see that God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, and God, their creator, will sustain them in the midst of their uncertainty ahead. And then he begins to push a little bit. Jesus begins to push and he says, look, because you are so valued by God, that really should shape what you value. And he challenges them not to be preoccupied, not to have first in their minds their worries or seeking after all of these earthly things in this world like others do. He says, no, instead you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The first way I learned it was in the King James Version. We're going to put it on the screen, and I want to invite you to read it with me together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Anyone in here learned that as a little kid at vacation Bible school or in Sunday school? You remember we used to memorize a scripture and they'd give you a little piece of candy? Perhaps in your Bible it's underlined, or if not, I encourage you to underline it or circle it in your bulletin today. This is a profound life verse. 
This is a verse, if you haven't committed it to memory, I wanna encourage you this week to commit it to memory because in this verse, we find a great command and a great promise from Jesus. And when read in context, we discovered that this verse isn't about, you know what, just having everything we want and that if we believe in Jesus Christ and put his kingdom first and we can have a bigger house, a better car and everything that our heart desires. No, when we look at the context here, we see that when Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and he's speaking to us, he's telling us, God values you. God loves you. And because God values you, then in turn, it should shape what you value. Instead of seeking all of those other things, you should begin seeking the kingdom and putting the king first in your life. And Jesus says, all of the things you truly need will be given to you as well. And when you heard the verses read earlier, I don't know if you were thinking like I do from time to time, and perhaps you hearing it this morning think, you think, really, Jesus? Really, Jesus, this is easy for you to say. You don't live 2,000 years later. You don't live in our complicated world. You don't know what I go through. You don't know the challenges and the things I worry about. And sometimes I think when we read scripture and we read verses like this, we're tempted to believe those things. But we have to remember the one who is speaking these words over us today was born in a manger. When he was a child, he was a refugee in Egypt. When he grew up and began proclaiming the kingdom of God, he didn't have a place to lay his head in the evening. He didn't know where his next meal was going to come from. Jesus trusted his heavenly father to provide for him every step of the way, even unto death, death on a cross. And on the cross with his arms outstretched wide, Jesus revealed to you and to me and to all of creation how much God values us. And so this morning, echoing Jesus' words, I want to remind you, perhaps you haven't heard it lately, perhaps this is your first time in church in a long time, I want to remind you, you are loved and you are valued by God. And I also want to challenge you like Jesus did. Because that is true, that you're valued by God, I want to challenge you to reorient your life so that the king and his kingdom are first in all that you do. And this is easier said than done. I understand that. Because for a lot of us, the first thoughts we have in the morning, in our first moments, are wor thoughts of, of worry, thoughts of anxiety. The first moments of my day are usually spent with my phone. I grab my phone, I look at my email, I look at Facebook, I look at the news, and it, and it shapes how I see the day. It shapes how I feel and how I interact with other people. And so I want to give you a specific challenge this week as I'm, as I'm pushing you like Jesus to seek first the kingdom and to put the king first. I want to challenge you this week to spend the first five minutes of your day seeking God's kingdom. I want to challenge you to do that because I believe it will have a profound impact on everything you do that day. And this might look different for different people. For you, perhaps this sounds remedial, five minutes. Maybe you already have a strong devotional life. Others of you here, you might think five minutes, I don't have five minutes, my life is crazy and I have to get out of the door. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you this week, spend the first five seeking 
God's kingdom and his righteousness. And this might look like simply grabbing a cup of coffee and spending time in prayer and just thanking God for another day of life. Could be going out on your porch and looking at the birds of the air and the flowers in the field and contemplating how much God cares for you. Could be opening up God's word or the the field guide that we send out daily as a church or reading in the upper room devotional. Maybe it's grabbing one of those knitting kits and knitting a little bit, thinking about other people, creating a tangible reminder of God's love for them. I don't know what spending the first five for you will look like as you seek the kingdom, but I want to challenge you to do that because I believe this is a profound act of reorientation that will shape your identity and shape the activity of each day. And some of you know that there's a a Wednesday morning Bible study here where a group of men gather together early in the morning and they spend not only the first five minutes of the day together, they really spend about the first hour of the day together seeking God's kingdom through community and through opening up scripture together. And the text they study each week is typically Sunday's text for the sermon. And so they're studying ahead of time. They're preparing their hearts and their minds, which I think is a great way to prepare for worship And this week, I didn't make it, but my father-in-law, Doug Rawls, attends, and and he told me that somebody in that class had a profound interpretation and thoughts on these verses. And he said, the man's name is is William, William Wizerwa. And so I reached out to William, and I said, William, I don't know much about your story. I don't know who you are, but I'm preaching on Sunday, and I'd love to hear from you and talk with you because I knew William's perspective on this text was going to be different than mine because William grew up in Rwanda and lived there during the Rwandan genocide in the 90s. And when he eventually was able to flee, he didn't take anything with him. And as I heard William's story, he began to tell me that when he was in Rwanda, his first thoughts each day concerned life and death. Then eventually he got to Kenya, and there his first thoughts were about what to eat, what to drink, what he will wear. And then it's another story for another day, but it's a miracle how he ended up in in Nashville and ended up this men's Bible study. But he said when he got to Nashville, his concerns were about the language barrier and about where he will work and about his family who is still in Africa. He said he was concerned about many things. But he said, looking back on his life now is like looking in a rearview mirror. And when he looks in that rearview mirror, the first things he sees aren't the pain, the tragedy, the trauma, and all of the worries he had. He said, instead, when he looks in that rearview mirror, the first thing he sees is God's mercy, God's grace. God's provision in his life. He said he couldn't always see it in the moment, but looking back now, he can see that God is faithful and that as he sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness through prayer and through praise, because William is a great prayer warrior, he said, as I I sought the kingdom through prayer and through praise, I discovered that I truly had everything that I needed every step of the way. And now he's filled with gratitude. 
And my hope and prayer for us as a church is that as we look back on our days, we might see God's mercy, grace, and provision as well, and we might be filled with gratitude. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.